0: It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. It is California Wine Country brought to you by Bottle Barn. Dan Berger is here and uh, the great winemaker Greg Graziano. Greg, good to see you again. It's been a long time, man.
1: Good to see you as well. Thank you very much.
0: So, first off, let's do the history of your family and the wines and everything, because uh, it's a pretty iconic stuff. And you guys have been around for a while, so give us the history, Brando.
1: Well, let's see. My uh, my grandfather worked his way across the United States. He landed in Ellis Island about uh, 1907. Ended up in Mendocino 1918. Instantly bought a hundred acre acres with his future uh, brother-in-law. And uh, started planting grapes, like, two years before Prohibition, right? So, uh, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, they stayed alive, obviously, by selling grapes back east. And, um, and then when uh, Prohibition ended, of course, they started selling grapes to, you know, I mean, with, during Prohibition, of course, they, they made, you know, grappa, and they sold wine, and they did whatever they could to survive.
0: They do prunes?
1: No, no, it was, it was basically, God. yeah, Thank God. Mendocino wasn't much into prunes like Sonoma. We were a little smarter than that, I guess, at that time. But um, so then they started to sell grapes to, you know, Gallo and Italian Swiss colony. And then, you know, we started always selling grapes. We sold grapes to Sebastiani and and Parducci and so on and so forth. So we did that for many years. And, of course, then my family started Cresta Blanca Winery, or it was called Mendocino Vineyards, actually. It was a co-op in the early 50s. And they sold most of the bulk wine. Gallo bought, and the Times West Colony bought most of it at that time. And then, so years after that, uh, they uh, uh, Cresta Blanca a Company in uh, the Central Valley. It was called Guild Wineries and Distilleries. Purchased it, changed the name to Cresta Blanca, which was an old winery in the Livermore Valley. Right, one of the early wineries of Livermore Valley. Wow. So they did that for a while. That worked out really well. And of course, then things changed and. Then of course uh, Constellation came in and bought the winery and changed the name to Dunwood and that was a dead dead thing never happened. So Dunwood, Dunwood, right? Yeah. So I I started making wine in 1977. Uh, I started with a old par- a friend of mine uh, Jim Maloney. We started Milano Winery and uh, I did that till about 1982 and then started on my own and did a bunch of you know consulting and then in uh, 80, 85 went to work for La Crema for oh. a friend of mine who was the winemaker, and then I took over in nice. 86 and worked there till 90.
0: Love La Crema.
1: Yeah, those were, were great wines back then. They're, they're still good wines, but they're not the same as what we used to make, you know, because we made like maybe 50,000 cases when we were huge, and now, like, they probably make 2 million cases. Yeah, right. <laughs> so It
2: was an experimental operation.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. Who bought. La Crema? Gallo?
2: Jackson family. Oh, Jackson, Jackson Veneira, of course. Yeah, change Jackson it, to, it was originally right. called La Crema Veneira.
1: Right. Rod, Rod Berglund started it, and uh, Rod now is uh, the owner-winemaker of Joseph Swan. So,
2: And making some really exciting wines over there, Yeah, he there does too. a good job.
1: He's, he's one can, of the old uh, time guys like me, you know. He, uh, he makes wine the old way, right? And, and he does a good job, and uh, yeah, his wines are very good.
0: Uh, your grandfather, Vincenzo Graziano. Now yes. that is a cool name. Mike, look yeah. into changing the name of the show to The Drive with Vincenzo Vacario. <laughs> my grandfather was Vincenzo Vicario.
1: Oh, is that right? I'm it's, Italian it's, too. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, well, you know Vincent was uh Vin- Vincent was like wasn't he one of the saints of wine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's an important it's an important wine name for And my sure. name was
0: supposed to be Vincenzo. Oh. But my mother's brother died in World War II. He was Stephen, so they changed it to, to that. But uh, I have a cousin, Vinny. Oh.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Believe it or
1: not, I saw that movie. I think it was last night it was on. Yeah, I, I watched it
0: last week. Every time it's on, if I'm flipping around and it's on, I just go there. That, I, right. that
2: sequence on the stand with her on the stand is oh, unbelievable <laughs> It's how she won the Academy Award. <laughs> <laughs> for sure.
1: Well, well. Anyway, so so we have we have four brands. You know, this thing has morphed into to uh, kind of craziness, and and uh, you know we make like thirty plus different grape varieties. So I always tell people when they get into this business, don't do what I do because it doesn't make sense. I mean, it it works for us, but man, it's a hard thing to maintain.
0: Like, did you did you go to UC Davis Fresno? I, I did,
1: but I never graduated. I left early to. To start Milano Winery in 77. Okay. I was never a very good student anyway, you know, because I hated chemistry and all that other stuff. You can't stand that stuff.
0: <laughs> but becoming a winemaker,
1: yeah, you need you know, to know a lot of no, that No, you don't stuff. need to know that stuff. You no. just need, you need to know the science and you need to know and the how the stuff affects the taste. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like being a winemaker is kind of like being a chef. You know, some of the greatest chefs in the world never went to cooking school. Yeah, right. They were just lucky enough to go to work for some of the great chefs, and that's what I did. I worked for some really good winemakers, and, you know, when you do something for 43 years, you're bound to learn something.
0: Yeah, well, I've been doing radio 48 years, and I haven't learned a damn thing, but that's, that's a whole other subject. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Dan, talk about Graziano's. Well, Greg's been in the business so long that he just sort of knows everything by the like the back of his hand. And and the, the fun thing for me in particular is that he's using grape varieties that uh, I just read about. And the only way to ever taste them is to buy Greg's wines. And they, they're really exciting. They're fascinating, and they're uh, alternative to the traditional wines. You don't you know Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Sauvignon Blanc, all this stuff. Everybody's making everything like that and he's got fiano and he's got you know trebbiano and, and and grape varieties from italy and he's got grape varieties from all over and it's just it's really exciting i, I just love
0: that and greg talk about this one uh, well
1: it, yeah th- this is our uh, it looks
0: like a chardonnay but it's it's yeah this, so this much is our uh,
1: 2019 monte volpe which is fox mountain in italian this is our vesuvius and it's from our vineyard in potter valley which is a great region to grow white grapes and also Pinot Noir.
0: And this is a major blend of a lot of stuff that we've never never heard of.
1: Yeah, Vesuvius, of course, is the mountain in Capania, Italy, Mm -hmm. and it's made from the varieties that grow around that mountain. Cota de Volpi, which is the foxtail, Fiano, Greco de Tufo, and then uh, Falangina. So we have all these varieties planted in, uh, in our Potter Valley Vineyard, and I figured I've made wine from each one of them, and they're small amounts, so I, the, I just said, let's kind of put them together and see what happens, right? For
2: people who don't know about Potter Valley, they, they, it's, it's adjacent to Redwood Valley, but it's higher in altitude by a good, what, quarter mile maybe, a, couple yeah, of, couple, well, a few hundred yards anyway. Yeah. And, and the interesting part there is that all it does is gives you cooler weather, so you get better, better acidity. You know, that's why you have to grow some white wine grapes in there.
1: Correct, and we have major. We have probably more frost there than Champagne, so it's not a, a you know an easy place to grow grapes, right? It's difficult. Well,
0: what's the? Year? So we'll I've really never tasted age. something like this. Really, uh, Dan.
2: Well, he's got an aromatic grape variety in here, and then he's got a, a grape variety that's focused on acidity. He's got another grape variety that's focused on tropical fruit. All of those pieces are coming together in one smell that you'd never you would never identify this by itself because there's so much going on in here it's very complex it was spent some time in the barrel so it does have that richness of Chardonnay but it's not oaky in any way so what you get is the effect of the oak without the flavor
1: well they're neutral French burgundy barrels so we don't really want any oak we just want the the fermentation in barrels because we want the lees contact we stir the lees you know once a month before we top and we just kind of want that that fermentation that goes on in there, right? And
0: the fruit is barking at me in this. It's wonderful and it's it's creamy on the on the mid palate. Absolutely, and, and the and the and the,
2: the, the finish
0: oh. <laughs> stays with you, and it's lovely.
2: It's gorgeous. And Thank you. And a wine like this, if it were any other producer, it'd be thirty bucks. What's your price, uh, Greg?
1: I think it's like eighteen. You know, and, no and, kidding. And now I'm really excited because all of our whites and our rosés and some of our, you know, less serious red wines are all under screw cap now. So, and I'm I'm really liking it. You know, people say, "Well, I really love it. It's fun. It's easy." And one of the reasons why we did it, and unfortunately, we did it at the worst time you could do it. We did this mainly for restaurants because I got tired of going into restaurants and people going, oh, I'd buy this wine if it had a screw cap. And I go, what, what's the big deal? Well, people – I can't get people that can use a corkscrew, believe it or not, that work in my restaurant. Well,
0: you're looking at one of them. I don't work in your restaurant, but I like the, uh, the screw top thing big time.
1: Right, and of course now, you know, we, we, there's hardly any restaurant. We're hardly selling any wine at all the restaurants right. when we had all these wines show up in Screwcast. But we got this coming year, and I think things are going to change and going to be good again, and we're excited.
0: You're available at Bottle Barn, I'm sure.
1: Uh, some things, yes. Okay. yes.
0: GrazianoFamilyOfWines.com. GrazianoFamilyOfWines.com. And
1: the
2: reason for family is that there's more than one brand.
1: Exactly. Some people say, "Well, why don't you just call it Graziano Family Wines?" Well, this is a family of wines. It's every brand is different and, you know. And how many brands? 4, and actually we have a new one that's in the works, but, you know, I it's it's a lot to manage and there's a reason there's a there's a method to the madness. Such as Montevolpe is all Italian grape varieties, right? Right. So, I guess we're we're ready. Are, what are the next na- Next thing, we're going to try over. this. Yeah, go the
2: ahead. The thing Wait. that you brought. Oh, yeah. The, oh, it's, I, yeah,
0: it's time to check into oh, Dan's I cellar. Did, yeah. I did yeah.
2: something interesting. I, I, I put a bottle of this uh, 2014 J. Lohr uh, Cuvée P.O.M., they call it P.O.M., uh, in the cellar. This is from Paso Robles, but it's from J. Lohr Vineyards. Uh, the wine is essentially a Merlot-based uh, Bordeaux-style wine, and it's a 14 they released it four years ago. Uh, it was in pretty good shape in those days. It was very fresh and young. It's still got that same youthfulness. The interesting part of it is that the wine is uh, still yet to develop all of its characteristics. It's just uh, a baby, but uh, much better than it was at the beginning. At the beginning, it was just like a tank sample. Now you've got a flavor profile from a little bit of barrel age. 2014. Oh, 2014.
1: Well, the wine's got beautiful color. It's very, it's a, very yeah. concentrated color. And look,
2: it's a it's a warm, a slightly warmer climate in Merlot, but they did a good job of keeping the acid up, so it's in good shape.
0: I like it a lot, and yeah, as you know, I'm a big Merlot fan. Yeah, we don't see enough Merlot yeah. these days. We just
1: don't. That's pretty don't good. Know.
2: That's too bad. Yeah. That's
1: oh, nice. that's good. Okay. Yeah, the agent Greg? has done it well.
0: What do you think, man?
1: Like I said, I think it's pretty good. I'm not a big Paso fan. Because sometimes I think the wines are a little overdone, too high in alcohol, sometimes too low in acidity. But this is pretty nice.
2: They did a nice job yeah. with it. Yeah, they I, did. I was pleased that we put the one bottle away and that's it. And who is it again? J. Lore Nice. I Jay. love J. Lore. They
0: do a good job with a lot of wines. Uh, I had a J. Lore Chardonnay the other night. That's the delicious wine. Oh, they did a beautiful job of <laughs> that. I think it was it was a, tw- a seventeen. Yeah, exactly oh, what it was. Exactly. Amazing. Yeah,
1: good stuff. Now, do you have another red over there? We do. We have uh, uh, from our St. Gregory brand, which is all Pinots, um, and this is our Pinot Meunier.
2: Oh. Now, this is interesting. Pinot Meunier is actually more heavily planted in Champagne than Pinot Noir is. Uh, Correct. The the, the grape variety, Pinot Meunier, is a, well, this is essentially a white wine with color.
1: (laughs) Well... Well, one of the things that, you know, I love the story about Mounier, and, and it gets its name from the fact that it's really difficult to tell the difference in the grapes, but all you have to do is look at the growing tips of the vine, and you look underneath of the leaf, and they're kind of covered in white hair. So it looks like somebody dusted the, the, gra- the leaves like with flour. Kind of like Dan. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you, so Mounier right. in French is the miller, right, one who mills the wheat into flour, so that's why it got its name. It's kind of a, it's a softer pinot sometimes a little more jammy. This comes from, again, our property in Potter Valley and from another small vineyard in Redwood Valley. It's been in barrels for over two years, all French Burgundy, again.
2: It really is.
1: It's kind of cold right now. Aromatically,
2: very aromatically uh, uh, spicy and floral, surprisingly enough, for a red wine to be floral, but it's got beautiful character,
1: and uh, you wouldn't mistake it for a Pinot Noir. Now, the tannins are a bit softer. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It's, it's very floral. We're probably one of the oldest producers of this variety in the state. Really? Shandon used to be the biggest and oldest, and they lo- no longer produce it. And I think they're the ones that got me excited in it, them and Milla Handley, the, the late Milla Handley. Uh-huh. And she quit making it because she lost her vineyard source. So I, I got people to plant it for me, and now I plant my own. And I think it's a wonderful variety. Um, and again, I'm sorry that the wines are so cold, Dan. It's mm. just, like I said, came out of our cellar, and it's uh, the winery's so cold this winter.
2: It works for me. Yeah, delicious wine, <clears throat> and uh, unfortunately, a grape variety that when you see Pinot Meunier on the shelf, most people would say, "What's that?" and they pe- pe- walk right past
1: it. Right. We also make sparkling wine out of it, so it makes wonderful sparkling wine. Is you know, as they they do in Champagne as well. Um, no, it's, it's, it's a very wonderful variety, and uh, we're always excited about it.
0: Go to GrazianoFamilyOfWines.com. Uh,
1: where are you guys located? Uh, and well, well, the winery is in Redwood Valley. Right. And we have a tasting room in the town of Hopland. Okay. So that's where everybody should go is, is to the tasting room, and uh, you can taste everything there. We don't charge for tasting. Um, so, you know, we have a big following. We have a good wine club because people really appreciate the fact that we, our prices are fair and we don't charge.
0: How are you guys dealing with the uh, pandemic? I mean, uh, well, you know, we're you still, we're, we're doing, doing, we're still
1: open. Unlike, I think Sonoma County, I think they closed down a lot of restaurants. Oh yeah, that's right. And, You're in, but we have to have do it, it out. We have to do it outdoors. So we have some chairs outdoor, maybe an umbrella. And you know, that's, that's kind of how we have to do it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Dan, this is an exciting vineyard. Uh, uh, property because there's so many different varieties planted in there and what i like about what greg does is that he keeps them separate and he's got some unique property uh unique uh uh, designations for the wines so when you try them they are different there's this isn't there's no sameness in any of these wines (laughs) they're all different right and to me that's the most amazing part of it is that and you've got that one red blend over there which i'm dying to try the 15 which is, and and for a red blend to come out that's already five years, full five years old, that's, 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 uh, what a benefit to the consumer.
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Well, this is, this Pinot Meunier is 2017, so again, because it's grown where it is, because of our winemaking style, it's been in barrels for over two years. Wow. And, uh, you know, some new French wood, and, and it's got great acidity. So these wines age really, really well. We're not afraid of, of, uh, vintages our wines do very very well with time
0: well you're looking at the man I call Dan lay it down burgers so when I, it comes to time <laughs> he's all yeah. over it my,
1: yeah.
2: my favorite thing
1: mm, so what,
2: what about that 15 is that ready to well I
1: actually I'd like to maybe I, I've got another one okay. another one of your favorites Dan um, you really like Barbera I love Barbera and, and I think one of the things that I like that you like about Barbera is we in America have a tendency to overdo everything, right? It's, it's uh, you know, everybody wants everything to look like ink, and everything wants, they want it 15% alcohol, and they want the pH to be 4, which is non-existent. <laughs> but so I make wines kind of in the old world Dan kind of style. So this is, this is our 2016 Barbera, and it comes from uh, some vineyards uh, all around Mendocino and... Um, it's been in barrels again for like three years, so nobody does. They don't even do that in in Pimonte, right? I mean, they, Barbera doesn't get a lot of wood, so I'm I, I really love.
2: This is beautiful. Yeah.
0: I, I, I my stomach has a problem now with uh, red wine. With red wine, sure. Let me have another taste of that. Uh, that Vesuvius? Yeah. The yeah. Vesuvius. Yeah. Well, Man, that was good. This, this uh, little, uh
2: this Barbera is really a wonderful example of a wine that when you Put your nose in the glass. Your first impression is you want to drink, you want to go cook up some pasta or some, pizza. <laughs> or some pizza. This is really that's you. You smell this. You say, wait a minute. <laughs> this is automatic food comparison. Well, right? well this
1: is um, of course because it's from Pumonte, the variety. This is under our Notria brand, which is what the the Greeks called Italy, of course, and a uh, Notria means land of wine. So, again, this is not super acidic like a lot of Barberas, Um, not because we do anything to the wine. It's just because we get the grapes relatively ripe, so the acidity comes down a bit. But it's still got nice acidity. It's got
2: great acidity. In in comparison to a lot of California Barberas that have intentionally Mm -hmm. made oak as its primary flavor profile, Here's a wine that was obviously spent some time in barrels, but the oak is so far into the background that all you're getting is this primary fruit. It's gorgeous.
0: It is California Wine Country, brought to you by Bottle Barn. Dan Berger here and winemaker Greg Graziano. Uh, Our our Southern California web guy for my company, who listens every Wednesday, and he said, Dan, I think of the tyranny of the French varietals and wonder why Barbera couldn't be as popular
2: here I think Greg and I were just talking off the air about why and so I guess he was sort of reading my mind I think, uh, Christopher I guess you're talking Yeah. he he and I probably love this variety more than 99% of Americans but the reason that part of America doesn't like it is that it gets too ripe in, when it's grown here, because we get so much sun in our vineyards, that this stuff has a tendency to seduce winemakers into thinking that they can leave it on the vine for an extra three or four days. That they shouldn't. You can't. Just get it off. Watch that pH. Watch that acidity. Get it off the vine and make a wine from it that has fruit, not overripe fruit.
1: Well, well, that's one of the things that, that Dan and I were talking about. Is a lot of people, you know, and a lot of these people are my friends, and they they make italian grape varieties and they maybe they shouldn't but they don't taste anything like italian grape varieties because you have to drink a lot of italian wine to really understand you know what you're what you're doing and a lot of people say well you know i only drink italian wine because that's where it should be grown and you know no that's not true but the reality is is if you're going to grow italian grape varieties it should Taste and smell like the varieties that come from Italy. To, to me, that's I'm old traditional well, guy. How does that work right?
0: with Barbera here? In well, well again, County. I mean,
1: Dan, Dan said it. You don't want to make it overripe and too inky and too low in in in, in, in acid and too high in pH. Otherwise, it's just going to s- seem if, like if, every other California wine that if, you've had. If, right?
2: If winemakers are concerned about color. They've already put. Something ahead of flavor that shouldn't be there. Color is not an issue for wine. If if you're worried about color, rethink your strategy.
1: <laughs> well, but you know, uh, but a lot of people are unfortunately, they are too concerned with color, and you know that's one of the problems why Napa Valley Cabernet doesn't age anymore. It's you know they pick it at 28 sugar and it's 15.5 alcohol, it's 4 pH and it's 4 acid. That wine will never age, you know, and Dan and I will tell you both, we're drinking, you know, Napa Valley Cabernets from the 70s and the 80s that are still tasting wonderful. (laughs) I've had early 2000 Napa Valley Cabernets that are dead. Forget it. You know, it's over.
2: It's over. I'm not putting any wines away, not because of my age. I'm very optimistic about my age.
1: (laughs) Right, but see, again, I think it's a respect for what you like. And, you know, I think Dan and I are fortunate because we – We've been doing this for so long. We appreciate those older wines that are made by great winemakers in the Napa Valley or wherever that had respect for the grapes that were properly ripe, had proper acidity and proper pHs, so they would age. And this Barbera,
2: uh, your reference point is is clearly Italy. Right, exactly. That's exactly what this wine reminds me of. It, it, It gives you the character of the soil of of, of Nebbiolo,
1: which it kind of reminds me of the next wine we're going to have here, which is our Graziano 2016 Carignan. So,
0: oh, okay, well,
2: the hell with my stomach—I got to taste. Okay, <laughs> this so is, this is pure, pure example of Carignan. Carignan never got any respect because it was always the workhorse. It was the blending variety, but when you make it into a single uh, uh, varietal wine it has this wonderful personality
1: yeah and we've when talked I, about
0: this and tasted stuff uh, some carignan before tasted
1: yeah. great carignan yeah well well this is from our vincenzo vineyard i named it after my grandfather i purchased this vineyard uh it's a 15 acre vineyard from my family that was in, again in my family for a hundred over a hundred years i purchased this from my cousins about six years ago so this is uh, the second vintage since i've owned the property and this is Again, aged in barrels for over two, almost three years. So I'm not—I can't remember because we make so many wines. If it's 100% Carignan, we sometimes will put maybe a little Zin or something, but it's—it's it's mainly Carignan. And, and uh, this you is know,
2: great, man! It's a delicious wine.
1: Um, but this is old world kind of stuff. I mean, again, well, anybody looking for that—I mean, it's not—it's not Cheyenne alcohol. It's like fourteen five.
2: Yeah, but the aftertaste, it keeps going on and on and on. And, yeah. and, and for a variety that is sort of a non-entity in certain respects, this is a beautiful example of how the variety delivers. Mm,
1: and great acidity. Oh. You Would know, this what, work
2: great with a steak? Oh. A good steak? Oh, yeah. Oh. Any, any kind of red meat, I don't care. I mean, Lamb? Know, Lamb, Lamb, even, even chicken, because it's a degree. little it could, earthy.
1: It's got yeah. some earthiness yeah, to it. But again, one of the things I love about this variety, and you know, it's in our Primo Rosso, which Dan likes so much, is this is a variety that loves to have things go into it. But it's also a variety that loves to go in anything else, because it's it's not a super over overt fruity kind of variety, but it gives wines tannins. It gives wines acidity. And you can blend it in another variety, and it doesn't overtake the character of that variety, which makes it such a great blending. Yeah. But it also, if you want to put a little Zinfandel in this or a little bit of Dolcetto or a little bit of Petit Serrat, it welcomes that as long as you don't overdo it.
0: Yeah, if you don't overdo it, it'll tweak it up right, nicely. Exactly. But, uh, exactly. Uh, Greg Graziano from Graziano Family of Wines, Mendocino wine growers since 1918, is back with us. You just handed out the, uh, what do you call this? It's a well,
1: it's a newsletter. We, we produce newsletter. it every quarter. That's beautiful. Thank you. My daughter and, and myself uh, are the main contributors of it these days, and we have a tasting room manager, John Ray, who's from Santa Rosa, and um, he works on it occasionally as well. So, uh, no, this is an important thing for us because it really, I've always thought that if you really want to know a winery, you must really understand what they're all about. And this yeah, and this is the kind of thing that we can tell everybody, hey, this is what we do. And this, this is, is how many we pages, do it.
0: so it's, it's got everything. Uh, let me read this. The 2011 Monte Volpe Dolce Alexandra Late Harvest. Now, I can't read. I think I did okay with the uh, previous, but uh, <laughs> the Tokay. what Tokai. is Tokay. Tokai. Tokai. Friulano. Friulano. You got did it. perfect.
1: Right. Tokai Friulano was a, a relative of Sauvignon Blanc uh, from, from Bordeaux, but, but it got into Slovenia where they call it Sauvignon Ass, and uh, it's a wonderful <laughs> variety. It's a, it's a tough variety to grow because it likes to rot like Sauvignon, and that's why we made this beautiful late harvest wine from it, Right. So, yeah, it's a, it's a real special wine, and we're, you know, we, we gave it away as a Christmas present this year to our wine club members, and, uh, I've, I've, you know, I made a ton of it, because... This is 2011. Yeah, that vintage was the most... Well, we, we picked these grapes at 65 bricks. 65? Six. Probably the sweetest wine in the world you'll ever have. It's so there was forty no juice percent at all. It was, sugar.
2: It was just it was just right. a, a, a slurry. You know? Right, and <laughs> and it was
1: and this that particular wine you're talking about is forty bricks, forty percent sugar. It's probably <laughs> which the is sweetest hell wine Just a, <laughs> a hell of a lot. Yeah, it broke your
2: ebulliometer. Yes, it did.
1: I think we had to dilute it like two or three times before it would even work in the ebulliometer. You know.
2: What's a blue monitor? It's
1: a it's a thing that that checks sugar and yeah.
2: tells you the specific gravity of the liquid if it is right. liquid. <laughs> if, well, if blue slum-
1: mon-
0: blue monitor, one of my favorite bands playing this uh, Saturday <laughs> at Hot Mug. Uh, it's an old inside joke. Right. I can't no, I stop talking no, about it.
1: But it. It's a real sweet wine, but anyway. So we've just got a few cases left, and you know we usually we make these late harvest wines about every five years but with global warming this is 2011 was really the last vintage that we've had any Botrytis. and potter valley is like the king of Botrytis. you know there was but
2: also 11 was a cool year and you had plenty of acidity to go with it right right
1: it's
0: graziatofamilyofwines.com. check them out and if you get up into hopland you can stop and do a wine tasting outside there in mendo and are you guys in the orange, or are you still in the purple, or what is, what's what's? Well, wh-
1: whatever. I mean, we're still we're still open. The restaurants can still do stuff outside, and we right, can still okay. taste wine out. Well, I guess that's purple. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, you're yeah. doing better than Sonoma County.
1: <laughs> right. Well, we have less people. I mean, it's kind of yeah. you know how it kind of works, right? Right. Yeah. Dan? Safe County
2: and a lot of fun. Greg's Tasting Room is really fun. I mean, that's the secret to this whole thing, because... Not only does he not charge for the tasting, but the people who show up are really a lot. Most of them are really regulars, and oh, yeah. you get a lot of regulars in there, and it's like an old home week.
1: Well, do you, I don't know if you guys know a local Santa Rosa guy, Frank Tucci. Don't know the Tucci, name. He's a, no. He he uh, he started uh, the viticult or the wine business program at Sonoma State. Oh, and and he's a regular. You know, Frank comes up all the time. He's a Big supporter of ours and and a friend and uh, yeah he's a good guy so and he knows wine he's got a, unfortunately he lost he had a huge cellar lost his cellar in the fire <sighs> last year you know so Probably thank good. God he's trying to rebuild it with our wines because he you knows <laughs> because he knows they'll <laughs> age really well yeah, good
0: <laughs> and Graciano wines don't burn
1: well no. all
0: right I'm just. Okay. okay, so w- we more. have the,
1: we have the last wine. And then this is the Montevolpe um Primo Rosso. And Primo Rosso is like first red, right? This is our least expensive wine and now it's under a screw cap in our 2015 vintage and people like this is like your current release. Well, this was in barrels for 4 years, right?
2: Wow. A 4-year barrel aged Red wine for $15. Ridiculous. I mean, well, it's impossible to make a wine like this it's, economically.
1: It's one of the things you can do when you have like 3,000 barrels, right, full of wine. Ooh,
2: this is fabulous. So this is
1: <laughs> basically, this wine was born because we started to make all these Italian varieties, you know, Sangiovese, Barbera, Dolcetto, Nebbiolo, Negrimaro, Prima, whatever. You keep keep going on and on. And they weren't selling like we wanted, right? They were just – people were going, oh, man, what, what is that? And So I, I came to the, re- to the realization that I had to find a way to move this stuff, to get it sold. So I said, well, let's make an inexpensive, wonderful red table wine, and we'll sell it cheap just, just to move it. And it's our biggest selling red wine right now. And unfortunately, wow. again, I don't make a lot of money off this thing, but we do move a lot of wine. This is
2: a really exciting wine because it's already got some maturity from the bottle, but it's still a baby because it's some time because by putting it in a screw cap, you've extended its life.
1: I think so, and and we just want to make it easy for people. I mean, although, again, we think this is a serious wine, sometimes people get it, they get a little bit, um, you know, they see the vintage and they go, oh, my God, it's 15, it's probably no good probably over the hill or you know who knows whatever
2: if anything it was released too soon but that's another story <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: another story isn't it so we, we we wanted to liven it up a bit by making it more friendly and we thought the screw cap would do that because again this is the kind of wine that should be on every italian wine list by the glass right and they can just open it up and pour it and yeah let's make it easy and fun right yeah
0: right. You, you don't the Waiter or waitress doesn't have to say, hey, you want to smell the scruff? No, no. (laughs)
1: So so this is Zin and Carignan. It's Dolcetto. It's Barbera. It's, you know, who knows what's in this stuff. It's just whatever's (laughs) laying around that we've got in barrels. Premier
2: grapes, premier treatment, oak-aged, barrel-matured, and then bottle-aged. On on top of all that, for $15, ridiculous.
1: What's interesting, too, is that, again, this is one of the winemaking secrets that that we have, of course, is that, you know, we have all these barrels, like 3,000 barrels, and there's a lot of, there's American wood, and there's French wood, and Hungarian wood, and so you can take an older American barrel with like eight years of having wine in it. If you leave it in that barrel long enough, like this wine is three or four or five years old, it will actually extract some, beautiful wood from that particular barrel and American wood is actually in my opinion better in the third or fourth or fifth or sixth whatever year than it is in the first couple years. Wow. So you're still getting a little <coughs> bit of oak impression on this wine. Do you, do you think so Dan? Do you? Yeah there subtle. is a little teeny it's bit subtle. of oak character. Yeah. Right. And that's all old barrels. It's not, not new barrels. It's
0: great to see uh, winemaker Greg Graziano back with us here. Graziano, FamilyofWines.com. Greg, always a pleasure, man. You keep in mind in Hoplin, they're open for outside tastings and such.
1: Thank you for inviting me. It's always a pleasure to sit around and drink wine with you guys and (laughs) talk about what we do.